So good to see you. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And if you were so blessed to still be eating leftovers a couple of days later, you're doing better than us. We scarfed it all down too quickly, in my opinion. But it was a good time together with family, and I uh, hope you did enjoy your time. We're going to be um, concluding our series on prayer today. Um, the purpose of this series has been to, on one hand, to instill confidence. If praying is something that you don't feel confident about, we've sought to hopefully give you some instruction and some content and about the heart motivation and then how to worship God in prayer and then how to come to him with personal petitions of request uh, as Jesus taught us in what is often called the Lord's or the disciples' prayer. The second aspect has been maybe you already feel like you know how to pray, but the hope has been that God has used this series to stir up again a personal passion for prayer once again. Today, as we conclude this series, my, my prayer and my hope is that it will encourage us for persistence in prayer. Just because the series ends does not mean that there is not a importance and a critical aspect of our spiritual walk to continue in faithful, persistent prayer. So with that, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8 this morning, and I'll let you get there. As we're looking at this, I've, I've titled this message, Don't Lose Heart. Don't Lose Heart. And this is what Jesus says as he's teaching in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Oh, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is an interesting passage, maybe one that is somewhat unfamiliar, or if you have read it, maybe it has left you confused as to the point. Well, Jesus tells us at the beginning, or Luke tells us Jesus' purpose in Luke 18.1, he says, he told them a parable so that they ought always pray and not lose heart. So the reason for this story and this teaching is to encourage them to always pray and not lose heart or to be persistent. There are so many stories that we could use about what it looks like to lose heart or to have persistence. And in the world of sports, 
there are a number of examples. Um, I will choose not to give a personal uh, example of what it means to lose heart in a football game as my Auburn Tigers crushed me yesterday. I can't even look over here as there's a couple Alabama fans. But I'll give you another example. That's too personal. That's too soon. Let me give you another example, though. In 1968, in the Summer Olympics, there was a, a, a young man named John Stephen Akwari from Tanzania, and he had qualified to run the marathon in the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City. When the race started, he was, I mean, he was expected to contend, and he is running, and there was a, a, a brief moment where they're jockeying for position. He falls down hard dislocates his knee, badly injures his shoulder. And for most people, they thought he's out because he just continued to limp along. The race, the winner of that race finished in something like two hours and 20 minutes. Over an hour later, John Stephen crosses the finish line. They'd actually already had the medal ceremony where they had played the national anthems of those who received medals, and everyone is sort of clearing away, and he crosses the finish line. Bum knee, hurt shoulder, dashed dreams, and a reporter seeing him cross, wearing the bib, goes over to ask him, why did you finish this race? And it's recorded that he said, my country did not send me to start the race. My country sent me 2,000 miles to finish the race. What an incredible story of persistence, of not losing heart. And Jesus tells us this parable that we would always pray and that we would not lose heart. And so let's unpack this for a few moments. Uh, I know that in your outline, it's sort of just some blank lines there with the holiday. Um, we sort of just uh, printed some open space, but I, I think we've actually got a couple of things on the screen that you can follow along with. Uh, number one, don't lose heart. As we look at this passage, don't lose heart. And the insight, you might say, would be this. Why do people lose their heart for prayer? So let me just unpack this story, this parable, for just a moment. Jesus gives this story. He says, I'm telling you this so you'll always pray and you won't lose heart. And he says, in a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God, nor did he fear man. Now, if you have followed along in the Gospels, you would understand that Jesus has said the two greatest commandments to love the Lord your God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And this guy is being described as not caring about either of those two. He doesn't care about God, doesn't care about men. And so he is an immoral, an unjust, a selfish judge. And it says that in this city where this un, uh, unjust judge presides over, Everything that a judge should be, he is the opposite. He has the power, he has the authority, and then comes in the character with the least amount of power and authority in this town, 
a widow. And the fact that she's coming to the judge on her own in this time period meant that she was obviously not married as her husband had died. She's a widow, but had no sons or no other men in her family that would be able to go and stand for her in court to give justice for her against an adversary. There's an extreme power dynamic at play here. And Jesus says that the judge continues to dismiss her. She comes repeatedly, and he continues to dismiss her until, it says for a while he does this until he says, this woman is wearing me down. And he says this, though I don't fear God, so he's saying the judgment that I'm about to make is not because of God. He's sort of an atheist. And I don't fear men, so he's not saying I'm reformed, I see the error, she is in the right, I need to make things right. He's saying this is purely selfish. The words in the Greek here is I've got to do something or this woman is going to batter me black and blue with her constant coming. He says for that reason, selfishly, I will grant her justice. Now, Jesus then says, do you hear what the unjust judge says? Now, why this can be confusing is because are we, is Jesus setting up God as an unjust judge that we go in prayer to wear him down? No, that's not what Jesus is doing. Um, in this, in this particular story, it reminds me of um, when I was in seminary, I told you before, there was a lot of South Korean students there, and they had um, a proverb that they would share when it came to if they got a grade, uh, either on a paper or a test that they did not agree with, they would go to the professor and they would say, no tree can withstand a thousand chops. Meaning, I'm just going to keep going to that professor until my grade is changed. We have an American um, sort of idiom like that. The squeaky wheel gets the oil. And so is Jesus saying, in your prayer, you must wear God down so that he will answer your prayer. Don't lose heart. Wear him down. No, that is not what Jesus is saying. This is a common sort of rabbinical way of teaching of saying, if this situation is true, how much more will this situation be true? So here's, here's the logic. Jesus is saying, if an unjust, selfish judge will eventually bring vindication to the widow, how much more will a holy and righteous father to his children bring vindication and justice when they ask for it? If that is true, how much more? So Jesus says, if, do you hear what he's saying? He will even give justice in that situation. Do you not think that your heavenly Father will give you justice? So continue to pray and don't lose heart. There's a couple of reasons I think that we lose heart. Number one could be that we lose perspective on God's goodness. 
we lose perspective on God's goodness. A um, couple, maybe I guess a month, two months ago, <clears throat> my family and I, we went up to see my sister uh, who uh, lives in Canada, in Toronto area. They just had a baby, and so we were going to visit with them. And on one of the days that we were there, myself and my oldest daughter, Zoe, went down into Toronto to go to the CN Tower. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with the CN Tower, but it is sort of an iconic uh, structure in Toronto and really for Canada. It is the tallest freestanding structure in the Western Hemisphere, meaning simply this, not building where people live and work, but it does not require wires to hold it up. So there's some other structures taller, but they require wires to keep it from falling over, CN Tower, and it has an observation deck that you can go up in and, and look and see the city. And I remember as we rode the train in and we go into the bottom and then ride the elevator up, I had been in the CN Tower before, but my daughter had not. And if you've ever been on any sort of observation tower, you understand that first time just the awe in which you can see a different perspective. When you're on street level, you are confined by skyscrapers and buildings and alleys and everything right in front of you. But when you are up above all of that, you have a different perspective. One of the things interesting about the CN Tower is that on the observation decks that you can go to, they have a glass floor so that you can step out over this vast expanse, and you'll see people, you know, just sort of, ah, I mean, and you know it's safe. I mean, you, it, there's no cracks in it. And so people step out. Then you'll see kids just running on it, and others like, no, nah, I'm going around. But when you look through the glass, there is a perspective at the CN Tower that you can't see from the street level, which is this. They, the CN Tower is right next door to a Ripley's Aquarium. And on the roof of the aquarium, from that observation looking straight through the glass floor, they have put like a, a, a shark uh, emblem on the roof that is only visible from the perspective of the CN Tower. See, we understand what that means to have a different perspective, but yet sometimes we lose the perspective of who God is and his character because all we have is our finite, right here in Lufkin, Texas, perspective. And sometimes we lose perspective that God is good. Jesus gives this illustration of the unjust judge, and his application is if an unjust judge would give vindication, how much more would a good God See, there may be some of you in this room or watching online that one of the reasons you've lost heart in prayer is because you feel like God just doesn't answer. God is delayed in his response. God probably won't even do anything based on my prayer. Some may be in the deepest recesses of your heart and mind question whether God is good because you've prayed for things that seem to be good, and yet he seems slow. I'll, I'll just use a, a, a huge example. Um, many of you have probably prayed 
um, about the abortion crisis in our country and around the world. And you wonder to yourself, is God not good if he is allowing this type of evil? There are wars and conflicts around the world, and you may wonder, why should I even pray about this? Because if God is good, why would he allow these things to take place? Maybe even more personally, you have suffered some things, and you go, if God is good, why did he allow? And Jesus says, always pray, don't lose heart. If an unjust judge will bring vindication and justice, how much more Will a good father bring justice? Our God is good. The issue for us is that we do not yet have the perspective in every situation to understand how good he is. Even in the midst of of a broken, fallen world where sin is rampant and evil is on display. Our perspective is limited, but we trust God is good. In fact, Jesus is telling this parable. Sometimes, sometimes the chapter breaks in, in Scripture gives us a false sense of a break in the narrative. Um, in chapter 17 is very much tied to this passage in chapter 18. In chapter 17, at the very end, Jesus is saying this there, to his disciples, there will come a time where you will want to see the Son of Man, and you won't be able to. And there will come a time when you will hear people saying, I think he has returned. Go over here. Go over there. And he says, don't listen to them. When the Son of Man returns, it will not be a secret. Everyone will know that he has returned. He says, in fact, it will be like this. There will be two lying in bed. One will be left and one will be taken. Two will be in a field. One will be left. One will be taken. And then from that conversation, he says, let me tell you this story so that you will always pray and you won't lose heart in the midst of waiting for my return. Which brings me to the second point. Sometimes we lose heart because we lose perspective on his goodness, but secondly, because we lose perspective on God's timing. God's timing is something that we probably all wrestle with on some level. In fact, in this very story, in verse 8, probably the most challenging verse that makes this confusing to us is this. Jesus says affirmatively, forcefully, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. That word speedily or quickly, we go, well, it's been like a couple thousand years, Jesus. It's been, been a hot minute. I mean, I... And see, we can lose perspective on God's timing. Peter also had to write about this. In 2 Peter, he is writing and saying, there will come scoffers who will come to the church and say, where is he? He's been gone a long time. And Peter also reminds us, he says, but don't lose this perspective 
that God views time differently than we view time. For him, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. But then Peter goes on to say this, count his delay as a blessing because it is his patience so that more will have time to repent. And so this idea of God's timing, we want things right now. To sort of go back to the analogy of sports and losing heart, do we not see this in the coaching carousel? My coach has been there one year. He lost to our rival. It was very close, and there were people going, I just don't know if this is going to work out. Dude's been there. I mean, he doesn't even have his mail forwarded yet. How quickly we want things done now, and yet to God, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. And when we actually have his return, I promise you, what Jesus is saying is every one of us will look back from his perspective and go, oh, his timing was perfect. He wasn't delayed as some count delay. He was right on time. As we get ready to move into the Christmas season, the Scripture tells us that at the exact right moment, Jesus came. God is never early nor late. If he delays, it is out of patience and out of his goodness so that more may repent and be saved. The third thing that causes us sometimes to lose heart is not only um, we lose perspective on his goodness or lose perspective on his timing, but thirdly, we lose perspective on God's promise. We lose perspective on his promise. Jesus, again, in verse 8, forcefully, I mean, I can't even help convey, I mean, he is wanting to drill down on this. God will vindicate God will bring justice. He's going to do this. For Jesus, it is not a question of God's character. For Jesus, he knows God the Father hears, God the Father cares, and God the Father will act in his timing and out of his goodness and also out of his sense of holiness and justice. He's saying this will happen. So always pray and don't lose heart. See, for us, again, from our limited perspective, we can get overwhelmed and lose sight of his promise that Jesus is saying, all things will be made right. And truthfully, all things will be made right in a couple of ways. For those of us in this room who are believers in Jesus Christ and we've been saved by him, we can count him as um, our savior. We can count the father as father, as adopted sons and daughters into the kingdom. Um, our, our boy over here, Click, just got baptized, right? Like that he understands, he, he knows, he belongs to the father. And the father has dealt with our injustices, those things that you and I have put out into the world that need vindication, Jesus made those right by paying for the penalty on the cross. Every time you and I have sinned against another person, justice was required from a holy God. 
And because of Christ, for those who belong to him, our justice was made through him. For those who do not trust Christ for salvation, when Jesus comes back, and it won't be a secret, he will come back, it will be well known, then justice will be handed out in what is called the great judgment, when the sheep and the goats are separated. Your vindication either comes through cross, Christ or you will pay for that vindication in justice yourself. That is why the gospel is such good news. There is not a single action that goes left undone that needs to be made right. So always pray. Don't lose heart. So don't lose heart. Secondly, stay faithful in prayer. Jesus encourages us to stay faithful because, number one, God will answer the prayers of his children. God will answer the prayers of his children. In verse 7, and will not God give justice to his elect to cry to him day and night? That ends in a question mark, but it is a question with the implied of course he will answer them. Which is why Jesus comes back and says, I'm telling you, he will bring vindication. Don't lose heart. Stay faithful in prayer. God will answer your prayers. There's a beautiful picture in the book of Revelation chapter 8 when, when things are being opened and things are moving and shaking and John is looking. And, and in Revelation chapter 8, there is a golden scepter that's being presented to the altar for prayer, an incense offering. And it is described as being filled with the prayers of the saints. Which means this, every prayer that you and I offer, God does not misplace or lose. It is symbolically put into this bowl and kept and at the right time, at the appointed time, in his goodness, in his timing, and for his justice, it will be poured out onto the altar, and they will be made right. Every prayer you and I have prayed is collecting to be poured out on the altar in front of the Father. That's beautiful. It's, it's a reminder. If you feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling, oh, no, no. They're going and being deposited and waiting for God's ultimate pouring out to answer every one of those seemingly delayed prayers. God answers the prayer of his children. Jesus says, will he not answer his elect when they cry to him day and night? God is saying, I hear, I will answer, so don't lose heart. And stay faithful to pray. And then lastly this morning, I want to draw our attention to the fact that Jesus encourages to stay faithful in prayer because Jesus will be looking for persistent faith when he returns. Notice verse 8 ties back into that conversation I mentioned about chapter 17. And when the Lord comes back, he says, um, will, uh, uh, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily or certainly. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, here's the question, will he find faith on earth? 
we can get really uh, stirred up, and, and I'm not saying one way or the other, but the reality is we can get real stirred up about end times of the when is it going to happen, where is it going to happen, you know, all of these things. And I just want you to understand, in this particular passage, Jesus is saying, um, I, I'm trusting the Father with the when and the where. I'm more concerned for you, my disciples, that when it happens, it's more about who will be found faithful. The when and the where are givens for Jesus. He's, his concern for his disciples, for us is, but who will be found faithful? And according to this story that Jesus tells, those who will be found faithful are those who are like the widow who is persistent in prayer. Persistent in prayer. I love how the, uh, the New Testament writers describe their fellowship as beloved. And so let me just echo them. Beloved, will you be found faithful when, not if, when he returns? And one of the ways that we keep perspective, one of the ways that we stay Faithful is by our commitment to pray. To join with all the saints in praying for God's justice. I'm reminded, I'm going to invite Stacy, if you want to come up, and, and any of the other team that might be singing a, a song of response. I want to read um, this story, or this, yeah, this story of um, uh, sort of a hero of the faith from not that long ago named George Mueller, who was. Um, an evangelist, and he ran orphanages, and he was a pioneer of Christian education in, uh, in England. And this is a story of persistent prayer. I mean, if you read this guy's biography, it is littered with incredible quotes about how much he prayed. Listen to this very briefly, and we'll close. In November 1844, this is Mueller saying, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. I prayed every day without a single intermission, whether sick or in health, on land, on sea, whatever the pressure of my engagements might be, I prayed. Eighteen months elapsed before the first of the five was converted. I thanked God and then prayed on for the others. Five years elapsed and then the second was converted. I thanked God for the second and prayed on for the other three. Day by day I continued to pray for them. Six years passed before the third was converted. I thanked God for the three and went on praying for the other two. Yet these two remained unconverted. Then there's a notation here. 36 years later, he wrote that the other two, sons of one of his friends, were still not converted. He wrote, but I hope in God, I pray on and look for the answer. They are not converted yet, but they will be. In 1897, 52 years after he began to pray daily without interruption for these two men, they were finally converted, but Mueller had already died. Mueller understood what Luke meant when he introduced a parable. Jesus told about prayer, saying, Then Jesus told his disciples to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Oh, that we would pray with that intensity and persistence for the things that matter to God, trusting 
that he will vindicate and bring justice because he's good. He's good and he's holy and just. I'm going to pray for us. Stacy and the team will lead us in a brief song of just reflection and response. If you have never put your faith in Christ for salvation, I want to encourage you today, would you do that? You can do that in a number of ways. You can come find me. I'll be up here singing along. You can go to our Next Steps area. Or if you were invited by someone who's a believer here today, they have all the knowledge you need over lunch to share that information with you. And we'd love to hear stories of God bringing people, awakening them from death to life this holiday season. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You are a good, good Father who listens as we cry day and night. Oh God, as we've been focused on prayer, let us pray always and not lose heart. Stir us up to understand your power in prayer for those who call you Father. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.